Should the Hebrew community celebrate Kwanzaa? Let's get into it. Who taught you to hate yourself from the top of your head to the soles of your feet? Who taught you to hate your own kind? Who taught you to hate the race that you belong to? So much so that you don't want to be around each other. To me, we are the most beautiful creatures in the whole world. Black people. Shalom, shalom, and welcome, family, to another episode of Jacob Seed Podcast, where the diaspora speaks. Our aim here at this podcast is to get you encouraging, uplifting, thought-provoking content out to the African-American community who are a part of the Semitic diaspora. As always, I'm your host, Yermiyahu, and I'm so thankful that you have chosen this time, this day, this hour to listen to Jacob Seed Podcast. Listen, if you haven't done it already, please subscribe to this podcast on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. Follow us on uh, Twitter, or I'm not Twitter, I'm sorry. Follow us on Instagram at Jacob Seed 12 and just search Jacob Seed Podcast on Facebook if you are on Facebook. Listen, you can also go to our website, jacobseed.com, and get all of the episodes as well as updates about the podcast. Um, you can also go to our store so you can buy merch and t-shirts and, and uh, notebooks and hoodies and pins and all the other fun stuff uh, that you can use to support this podcast. You can also go to jacobseed.com and press on that donation tab um, and donate to Jacob Seed Podcast, either a one-time donation um, or you can be a monthly partner with us, uh, giving as little as 99 cents. Listen, um, if you are a monthly partner with Jacob C Podcast, every first Sunday of the month, um, I do a Zoom call just to get together with the diaspora uh, to discuss ways that we can be just better as a people, uh, to bring out the ills and the ailments that are in your community um, and, and brainstorm and come up with ideas that, uh, that we can use to help our people uh, become more than what they currently are. Uh, so with that said, let's get right into this episode. Uh, should the uh, Hebrew community celebrate Kwanzaa? Uh, so as the recording of this <clears throat> podcast, uh, it is, let's see, it is December 28th. Uh, so we're right, we're right in the middle of some people actually celebrating uh, what we call Kwanzaa. All right. Uh, so before we actually get into should we or should we not as the Hebrew community celebrate Kwanzaa, uh, because uh, before some of you probably came to the faith, to the way you probably celebrated Kwanzaa. There are a lot of things in Kwanzaa that mimic or have its roots uh, from the Hebraic roots of, of West and East Africa, because we know that there are a lot of our people that are still in Africa of the of the uh, 10 tribes and of all the 12 tribes, actually, because you have uh, the Limba that are down there in uh, South Africa and you just have just a whole bunch of people scattered throughout the continent of, of, of Africa that are of Hebraic background. Um, and what they did was they combined a bunch of different things. Um, and actually, the celebration of Kwanzaa is a mimicking of what the some in West Africa, especially the Zulu nation and those of uh, Swahili background would call first fruits. And we know that first fruits comes out of Leviticus 23. Uh, so where would they get the term first fruits from? Uh, more than likely, they got it from their ancestors. Now, over time, has been modified and the dates have changed, but um, in the same way, they do grow um, different things and um, 
the tradition is that they, uh, it, is, it is the first of their harvest, um, and they take their harvest and they declare that there's no famine, um, and they raise it up to their king, um, thanking him for uh, the first fruits. Now, we know in Leviticus 23, we do not celebrate men, but we do celebrate um, the Elohim of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel um, and all of those feasts. And uh, we know all of those feasts are a shadow of Yahshua, his son, um, who came to uh, rescue us all from our sin, our violation of Torah. But we're going to look at Kwanzaa and we're going to see um, kind of the origins of it and whether or not it is a good thing for us to celebrate or not to celebrate as a Hebrew community. Or is it just an in-between? Is it one of those things that if you want to do it, do it. If you don't, don't. Or um, we'll see. Let's look at it. So we're looking at Kwanzaa. So Kwanzaa, as uh, some of you already know, is an annual celebration of African-American culture that is held from December 26th through January 1st. So the uh, the first part of this would uh, for, for Kwanzaa was to be an alternative to the Christmas celebration, which already is a good thing because we understand that that Christmas celebration was never a part of our culture as uh, whether you're Hebrew or whether you're Hermetic. It doesn't really matter whether you're Shemitic or Hermetic. It was never a part of our culture. Uh, that's something that Japheth has been doing from ancient times. Um, and we at our assembly just actually studied some of that stuff and uh, looked at some of that. Uh, but uh, Kwanzaa's held from December 26th to January 1st, culminating a communal feast uh, called Karmu, uh, Karamu. And I may pronounce some of these words wrong because my Swahili is horrible uh, and non-existent, actually. <laughs> So usually held on the sixth day, it was created by Maluna Karinja, Karinja, based on African Harvest Festival, which I already said, the first fruits traditions from various parts of Africa, including West and South Africa. Kwanzaa was first celebrated in 1966. Um, so this was something that is, is quite new. All right. So here's the background. So American Maluna Karinja created Kwanzaa in 1966 during the aftermath of the uh, Watts riots. Um, so if you were, if you've been alive long enough to know what the Watts riots were, I was not alive during that time, uh, but I've read the bo uh, books, I've read the history and it, it just, it wasn't any good. So as, um, as a specifically African-American holiday, Karinja said his goal was to give blacks an alternative to the existing holiday of Christmas and give blacks an opportunity to celebrate themselves and their history rather than simply imitate the practice of the dominant society. Wow. So for Karinja, a major figure in the black power movement of the 1960s and 70s, the creation of such holidays also underscored the essential premise that you must have a cultural revolution before a violent revolution. The cultural revolution gives identity, purpose, and direction. All right. So that's kind of like uh, we can look at what Yahshua did, right? So I'm not comparing this man to Yahshua whatsoever. Uh, because this, as we read further on, we understand that this man is not a believer in Yahshua. Uh, but that's what Yahshua had to come and do. And that's what the people in the Brit Hadashah or the New Testament time, the first century, the second temple time, did not understand. Uh, that he came first to renew your culture and your identity, and your purpose, and your direction. That's why he taught when he first came. You cannot have a cultural, or a, 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 a total takeover without first a cultural, a cultural, ooh, Lord have mercy. Uh, my soup coolers are sticking to one another. Once again, I forgot to bring my doggone cup of water up in here, but that's okay. You cannot have a total revolution without a cultural, cultural, there we go, a revolution of culture. How about we do that? 
<laughs> Lord have mercy. Pray for me, y'all. A revolution of culture first. So Yahshua's aim was to uh, give us identity and purpose and direction to free us from our sins, to uh, show the true nature of Torah, the true nature of uh, of Yah's words and his direction and his instruction on how to love him and how to love on others. Then once we understand that, he will be released by his father, Yah, to come back and avenge everything and take back everything. All right. Uh, but the people of the second temple time believe that he was there to do that then they were sadly mistaken, which is why they hung him on a tree. Uh, get back. Let's get back to Kwanzaa, though. So it says, according to Karinja, the name Kwanzaa derives from the Swahili phrase Matunda Ya Kwanzaa, meaning first fruits. First fruits festivals existed in southern Africa, celebrated in December, January with the southern solstice. And Karinja was partly inspired by an account he read of the Zulu festival, Yumkozai Womwiskoma. I'm sure I said that way wrong. Uh, it was decided to spell the holiday's name with an additional A so that it would have a symbolic seventh letter. During the early years of Kwanzaa, Karinja said it was meant to be an alternative to Christmas. And here it is. He believed Yahshua was psychotic and Christianity was a white religion that black people should shun. All right. So we do understand that modern day Christianity ran by white evangel evangelicalism is quite, in fact, a white man's religion where they worship the image of Caesarea Borgia, um, and they worship graven images, which we're told not to do um, in the Ten Commandments, as they worship crosses and, and images of fish and all these different things. Uh, but we do know that uh, we are told in Jeremiah to go back to the old paths and the old way. Uh, we're told uh, by, uh, by the Apostle Paul, Shaul, um, in Acts 24, 14, that we, should, we ought to believe everything um, in the Torah and the prophets. Uh, we ought to become part of the way. So Christianity is not the way. It is part of the broad road. So he is right in that aspect. But to totally throw the baby out with the bathwater is a grave mistake that I believe a lot of us in the African-American community do um, in an attempt to find our own identity. And we have to realize that our identity has been stolen and have been mimicked by many different cultures. Uh, so to throw out our religion uh, just because someone has hijacked it and manipulated it and polluted it um, is not the answer. Uh, the answer is to go back to the old way, to go back to the original, uh, to go back to the pure form of our religion, uh, which is Torah. Uh, so um, as Kwanzaa gained mainstream adherence, uh, Karinja altered his position so that practicing Christians would not be alienated, stating that in the 19, 1997 book Kwanzaa, a celebration of family, community, and culture, that Kwanzaa was not created to give people an alternative to their own religion or religious holiday. Many African-Americans who celebrate Kwanzaa do so in addition to observing Christmas. So we have a lot of Christmas people celebrating Kwanzaa. Um, so you're celebrating the birth of Tammuz. Uh, you're celebrating Nimrod and his uh, man member, um, as well as bowing down to Nimrod when you uh, pick up to give a gift. Right. And we know all those different things as the winter solstice is going on. And Jeremiah uh, chapter three tells us not to or chapter is it three or ten? It's one of those. I think it's three, ten or ten, three, one of those. I believe it's Jeremiah chapter three. But anyway, um, tells us not to go and cut down any trees and adorn it with silver and gold. We know that uh, we also know that Christmas is not the time where Yahshua was born. We know that was a lie given to us by Constantine. And uh, if you read the, uh, the first council of Nicaea, uh, it explicitly says in there, there's nothing they're trying to hide. Uh, if you go to the Catholic church website, it explicitly says there in the first council of Nicaea in 325 AD, 
that they would no longer celebrate uh, Pesach in the way that their brothers celebrated in the East, uh, but they would now uh, adhere to Easter, which their people, the Romans, have done since antiquity. Um, so this is very problematic uh, that we are now merging, continuing to merge different religions and different, different aspects of this time uh, with our own people. All right. Uh, so as first an alternative to Christmas, uh, now he has changed his mind, the creator of Kwanzaa, and said that you can do it with Christmas. Let's continue to read. After this initial creation in California, Kwanzaa spread outside the United States. It says Kwanzaa celebrates what its founders called the seven principles of Kwanzaa, or Nuzo Saba, the seven principles of African heritage. They were developed in 1965, a year before Kwanzaa itself. And the seven principles uh, comprised a kawadia, a Swahili word meaning common. Each of the seven days of Kwanzaa is dedicated to one of the principles as follows. So we're going to go through these seven principles and we're going to just look at whether or not um, these principles are good or bad. Um, so there's a lot of things that I would say that you may not necessarily have to celebrate Kwanzaa itself, but there could you could, could find some principles that are true and that agree with Torah that we should probably be doing each and every day anyway. All right. Uh, so the first principle is, is unity to strive for and to maintain unity in the family, community, nation and race. And so we know this is something that we as a people struggle to do each and every day. So wouldn't it be awesome um, if we each and every day try to find a way to unify with our own, uh, whether that be in commerce, whether that be in art um, and not compromise yourself or the way in doing so. So our purpose with unifying is not to assimilate or to merge with something that is evil or dark, because we know we're not supposed to merge with darkness. Uh, we're supposed to expose darkness. We're supposed to be the light everywhere that we go. And Yahshua, before he uh, left this place, commissioned all of his disciples, whether then or now, to go into all places and be lights uh, to the earth, sharing the good news of the gospel that he had come to free us from our sin and given us a comforter um, so that we have the strength to do so um, and tell people to do the same. So we need to strive for unity as a people. And in unifying with our people, we see this so much, especially in the Brit Hadashah, uh, that uh, in the unification of our people, um, there is a, a regression sometimes when people don't understand what the truth is. So we don't allow that regression to take place and we don't celebrate that regression and not speak of it. Uh, but in order to unify with people, we must tell people the truth. We must tell people the truth. And if they decide not to rock with you because of that, well, that's them. That's not you. But unity as a people is so very important because I believe because the African-American community is splintered and separated in such a way, that's why we can't get anything done. It is part of the curses, but we could be so much more if we would unify. Do you understand that the Europeans unify in different ways and they don't sometimes don't even agree with one another? You've got white evangelicals unifying with homosexuals in order to start businesses. You have uh, staunch Germans unifying with people in Poland to start businesses. All right. Uh, you have uh, um, uh, uh, white white men who are sexist who are unifying with white women groups in order to start businesses and to make money and be influential and start legacies and all these different things. Like we don't have to agree on things 
to get stuff done. Now, uh, in unifying, I would hope that our light would overcome their darkness, talking about our people. So if you're unifying with somebody who doesn't believe like you do, uh, the aim is that as they're around you, your light consumes them. If that's not something you believe you have the strength to do, um, I would advise not to do it. But if that's something you can do, if you're already in your community and doing the work and all those different things, uh, don't alienate yourself. Don't be afraid to tell people what the truth is. Because believe it or not, people want to hear the truth. Their soul is yearning for the truth. And through the truth, we can gain unity. I truly believe that. If we're truly, truly telling the truth, not pushing doctrine, not pushing theology, uh, not pushing this camp, that camp, this assembly, that assembly, uh, not your bishop said, your more said, but what does the scripture say plainly? And let's follow that and unifying under the banner of Torah and the example that was set uh, through Yahshua. So the first principle is unity. Second principle is self-determination. Each one of these principles does have a Swahili word. I'm, gonna, I'm not even going to try to uh, pronounce them because I know I can't. I do not know Swahili and don't claim to. I uh, don't never studied it. So I'm going to say the English form of each of these principles. Uh, the second principle is self-determination to define and name ourselves as well as to create and speak for ourselves. See, and there's an issue, especially wherever we are, that the dominant culture, wherever we are, tends to define who we are. They tend to define us as lazy, thugs, untamable, wild, uh, 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 unpredictable, violent, loud. These are all the definitions that is given to and about us. But we have to learn how to start defining ourselves and putting that out there. I do definitely agree with these first two so far. That we need to be able to define ourselves, name ourselves, as well as create and speak for ourselves. We, we cannot allow these, whether conservative or liberal entities, to begin to speak for us. We can't allow Black Lives Matter to speak for us. That, that can't be the voice for us. Jet and Ebony Magazine cannot be the voice for us. BET and Tyler Perry cannot be the voice for us. Oprah Winfrey and, and Gail cannot be the voice for us. Um, even, as, even though I voted for him, Kanye cannot be the voice for us. The, voice, the voices for us have cried out for millennium, two millennium, through the prophets, through the Torah, through the example of Yahshua. That's who we are. Hebrews, the seed of Jacob, the seed of Israel, scattered through the four corners of this earth. Lost forgotten about just as the scripture said that we would be because we were disobedient to the Elohim of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But I believe it's time out to allow these other cultures to speak for us and to define us. See, the problem is all these other cultures have infiltrated our community and told us who we are. Yet most of us have never done the research to find out who we are on our own. So when we tell our brothers and our sisters our friends, family, and loved ones, that you are in fact a Hebrew from the line of Jacob. They think you're crazy. You know why? Because they continue to believe the lie from a dominant culture that they're Gentiles and they belong in a church and they belong in a mosque and they belong in a temple. But no, you belong to the Most High. 
The scriptures say that when he divided the earth, he gave each nation an Elohim. But for Israel, he chose Israel for himself. And that's who we belong to. That's our culture. Torah is our culture. Torah is our voice. Torah is how we should be defined. So let's, uh, let's move on to principle number three. Principle number three is um, collective work and responsibility to build and to maintain our community together and make our brothers and sisters problems, our problems, and to solve them together. So this, this kind of, of echoes Jeremiah 29 where it says that wherever we're scattered to, uh, we ought to build and we ought to grow and not increase. Uh, we ought to plant farms and start businesses build marketplaces of our own. Uh, see, if we actually heeded the scriptures, my brothers and my sisters, most of our problems would melt away. Um, the scriptures already tell us to build and to maintain our community. We don't need Kwanzaa to tell us that. The scriptures have already told us that. To build and to maintain our communities together, make our brothers and sisters problems our own problems. See, the problem is uh, when a lot of us, to be honest, keep it a buck, when a lot of us leave the so-called hood, or leave our situations, or get a degree, and make a little bit of money, we forget about the people and communities that look just like us. We forget about the south sides of the cities, the west sides of the cities, the northeast sides of the cities. We forget about those. Uh, we look at them and say, man, well, I made it, so why can't they make it? Like, no, you made it. Now, why don't you help someone else make it? Yeah, we can't get everybody. But you can get somebody. You can get one somebody. Then that one somebody may, may be the one to help everybody. Who knows? But when we don't have empathy, sympathy, and a heart for our own people, who else will? This government ain't going to do it. We see that the Trump administration wasn't thinking about you until it was time to vote. And the Biden administration sure ain't thinking about you. So we have to be able to think, for, think about ourselves and to elevate and encourage one another, just as the scriptures tell us to do. We cannot rely on government entities. We cannot rely on even some of these, these so-called uh, black organizations that supposed to, are set up to help us. But in the same time, they're, they're getting kickbacks from the government. So they're in bed with the government who doesn't care about us, yet they're saying that they're striving to end the problems that plague us. How's that worked out? If you live in any of, the wells in all of these neighborhoods, look out your window. Look out your door. Look to your left and to your right, as I always say, down your street. What's changed? What's changed since the NAACP was created? And not by our money, by the way. We do the research on that. And I've already spoken of the fallacies and, hypocr and hypocrisy of W.E.B. Du Bois. What's changed since the Urban League came into your town? What's changed? Nothing much. Because these are the gatekeepers. They're not there to fix problems. They're there to keep you docile. They're to, there to uh, tell you it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. And one day we're all going to get a pie in the sky. Like, no. We have problems that need to be solved today. Yesterday. Ten years ago. But these organizations are not placed in our communities to solve problems. They're placed to be a pacifier so that you can forget about your problems. So they'll, they'll give you some housing and give you a little bit of allowance, give you a check 
first and the 15th, the first or the 15th of the month. Keep your little docile. They'll give you some grant money, allow you to go to college and get a little degree so you can forget about the problems that's in your neighborhood. But they're not fixing the problems. Only we can do that for ourselves when we have a collective work and responsibility toward our own. Number four, a cooperative economics. Cooperative economics to build and to maintain our own stores, shops, and other businesses and to profit from them together. See, this one's problematic because we tried that, right? Of course, I've talked in tandem about the Tulsa, Oklahomans and the Durham's and the Pinch Districts in Memphis, Tennessee, and the Atlanta, Georgia's, and all this other different stuff. The problem with those neighborhoods were not white supremacy. The problem was black assimilation. Yes, were those places destroyed by white folks uh, who were upset that some black people was doing better than them? Absolutely. Left on our own, we do great things. And history tells us that the dominant nation, at least in this country, the United States of America, doesn't like that. That's why they all up in our business at all times. But the thing is, if you read definitely about Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I'm sure if it happened in Tulsa, it happened to all the rest of them, that the initial attack from the white supremacists is not what destroyed the community. It was integration because they rebuilt Tulsa back to its original glory. But it wasn't until that I could drink from the same water fountain. I could send my kid to the same school. I can shop at the same grocery store. I can fly in the same plane. I can go to the same college. I can visit the same doctor. I can be entertained at the same movie theater. I can put my money in the same bank that the wealth of the African-American community was transferred into the hands of the dominant European culture of the United States of America. And guess what? Once they got their hands on the wealth of the African-American community, they never let it go till this day. We are a trillion dollar business in this country. Imagine if a trillion dollars a year was flowing through the African-American community. Your blight would be gone. Schools would be better. The mentally ill that are free to walk around our communities would get some help. Single mothers would get help. Families would be reunited. Joblessness would be a thing of the past if we could cooperate together when it comes to economics. But our problem is we were told that we can't do that. And we don't want to come together and unify to make a better us. So we'd rather go to the China man, the Korean man, the white man, get they stuff, buy they stuff, instead of creating our own for our own. Move on to five. Purpose. To make our collective vocation the building and developing of our community in order to restore our people to their traditional greatness. So we just kind of talked about that, right? To restore our people to their traditional greatness. But I don't believe that celebrating a holiday does that. I believe, obviously, that following Torah, the example that Yahshua has set before us, returns us back to our greatness. Because it takes away the curses, Now we can live Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14, 
instead of living Deuteronomy 28, 15 through 68. 1 through 14 is can still be a reality if we repent, turn, and be obedient. Because we've seen the example of that reality in the scriptures. can be a reality again if we turn. Principle number six, creativity. To do always as much as we can in the way we can in order to leave our community more beautiful and beneficial than we inherited it. So this is talking about legacy. What are we doing as far as legacy? What are we creating in order that our community can look better than the way we came into it? Are you creating another podcast? That's fine. Hey, hit me up. I can try to help. Um, are you creating a business? Are you creating a school? Um, are you creating entertainment? Are you an artist? Are you music? Whatever it is, make sure that the aim is not to get dollars, but the aim is to truly help your people. The very last principle is Imani. I know how to say that one. That's a very popular one. It means faith. To believe with all of our hearts and our people, our parents, our teachers, our leaders, the righteousness and victory of our struggle. So I don't necessarily believe in all that because I don't believe in human beings. Human beings are going to put you down. Uh, they're going to disappoint you each and every time. But I believe in the Elohim of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I believe in Yahshua, Hamashiach, bin Elohim, the example that he has set before us believe that he is the Messiah, that as we live out Torah and look at the example that he lived, that we can one day, hopefully, if we do it right, be ushered into his kingdom. That's where my faith lies. So there are a lot of symbols to Kwanzaa. <clears throat> Obviously, the, uh, the most obvious symbol, if you're a Hebrew, is the, uh, the seven candlestick that they have, a candlestick holder. Uh, we know that that mimics the menorah. The menorah has seven candlesticks. Um, the colors of those candles are the red, the black, the green, um, as Marcus Garvey has uh, made those colors the colors of the diaspora. Uh, those are also the colors, very colors of this uh, podcast because this podcast speaks to, uh, speaks, uh, and, and, and wants that diaspora to, to have a voice and to speak up uh, for itself. Um, it has crops. It has uh, corn uh, to represent the children celebrating. Uh, the corn may be part of the holiday meal. Um, it has a unity cup for commemorating and giving thanks to our African ancestors. Um, and then there's an element of gift giving. OK, um, so it says families celebrating Kwanzaa decorate their households with objects of art, colorful African clothes, um, especially the wearing of caftans by women. Um, and fresh fruits that represent African idealism. It is customary to include children in the Kwanzaa uh, ceremonies and to give respect and gratitude to ancestors. Libations are shared generally with a common chalice uh, passed around to all the celebrant, uh, people who are celebrating. Non-African Americans also celebrate Kwanzaa. The holiday greeting is a joyous, is joyous Kwanzaa. So we see uh, other cultures always trying to get into our stuff. Uh, and we, I talked about it in tandem on one of my podcasts with a brother by the name of Bartholomew Jones. Um, so please peruse the uh, podcast episodes and find where I have an interview uh, with Bartholomew Jones. Listen to that. And I promise you um, it will encourage you, uplift you, and have you thinking. So it says a Kwanzaa ceremony may include drumming and musical selections, libations, a reading of African pledge, um, and the principles of blackness, reflection on the pan-African colors, a discussion of the African principle of the day or a chapter in African history, and a candle lighting ritual, um, artistic performances, and finally a feast of faith. And the greeting for each day of Kwanzaa is, um, how are you? So it's Harabi Ghani. Uh, that's Swahili for how are you? I believe I'm pronouncing that right. I don't know. 
Um, at first, observances, uh, at first, observers of Kwanzaa avoided the mixing of the holiday or its symbols, values, and practices with other holidays, as doing so would violate the principle of self-determination and thus violate the integrity of the holiday, which is partly intended as a re, um, uh, as to reclaim of important African values. Today, some African-American families celebrate Kwanzaa along with Christmas and New Year. Cultural, cultural um, exhibitions include the Spirit of Kwanzaa, an annual celebration held at the JFK Center of Performing Arts, featuring interpretive dance and African dance, song, and poetry. Um, I guess uh, that's pretty much it when it comes to um, Kwanzaa. Um, we know that it was created in the 60s. It has seven principles. Uh, people light a, a, a makeshift menorah to celebrate it. They have food and festive dancing and uh, drinking all that stuff uh, pretty much throughout the world now when it comes to Kwanzaa. So the question, though, is should the Hebrew community be celebrating Kwanzaa? This is what I'll say. <clears throat> Kwanzaa is not in Leviticus 23. So it's definitely not something you're required to do. Obviously, it was created in 1966, thousands of years before Torah was even, uh, thousands of years after Torah was even um uh, given to us by Yah. Uh, it's also not in the scriptures, just like Christmas and Valentine's Day and all that stuff is not in the scriptures. So I would say, as far as the holiday itself, as a Hebrew, I would not celebrate it. It's a man-made holiday, um, and it has nothing to do with my Hebrewness. But I would say, as a Hebrew, you should probably adopt the seven principles of Kwanzaa as a year-round practice, all right? So, so quickly, quickly going through those real quick. So unity, self-determination, collective work and responsibility, cooperative economics, purpose, creativity, and faith. Those things we should be practicing each and every day of our lives anyway if we really say we love our people, should not be done in this span between December 6th and what January 1st or 3rd or whatever to celebrate it. But it should be done each and every day because those aren't just principles of Kwanzaa. As you read the scriptures, we understand that those are principles of the scripture to build and to love, to unify and to carry each other's burdens and to leave legacies and to have faith. In the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob was our God as well. So should you celebrate Kwanzaa? I'm not going to do it. But what we can glean from this is the seven principles of Kwanzaa. That's something you should probably integrate into your life each and every day. So um, as certain things come up, ladies and gentlemen, just do your research on it. Uh, because although we may not celebrate some things, there are some things that you may be able to take away that's positive. All right. Um, obviously there's nothing positive really in Christmas or Easter or Valentine's day or any of that stuff, but actually loving on our people, um, having faith, building a legacy, having empathy for our people, as well as carrying their burdens, helping them to elevate our people. Those are all good things, strong things that we should be striving for each and every Hebrew scattered throughout the whole world. So again, I'm not celebrating today. It ain't in my scriptures. Um, you choose this day uh, what, what you going to do. As me and my household, we ain't doing it. Uh, but we can 
adopt some of those uh, principles um, and as long as they continue to line up with scripture um, when they don't no longer line up with scripture you got to throw it out um, but anyway um, again thank you guys for joining in uh, you can go to Jacob C, uh, Jacob C and get all you need to know about this podcast. Uh, follow us on Instagram again at Jacob C 12, uh, go to our store, go to our donate page, however you want to support us. Um, it's all good. It's, um, it's all appreciated and thanked. Um, so as always, I pray that you guys keep it 98 plus two, seek the truth, live it out and inform others. Thank you.